0: You get in trouble, bring it home to me. Whether I am near you or across the sea, I will think of something to do. I'll be on the lookout for you and I'll find you. You can count on me. And don't you let them get you against the wall Cause I'll be there to catch you And I won't let you fall Oh, Jesus. I guess it
1: must be fate. We've tried it on our own, but deep inside we've known we'd be back to set things straight. Why? Peter Satara? What? That makes no sense today. And for that there's no answer, but you've chose to listen and I'm giving you what I've got. Let's start the show because I'm ready even if you're not. are just getting worse and worse. I mean, it really is just horrible. But I don't care, right? I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's the drama. The, 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 what's coming up? And the problem is I never know what's coming up. I think I always write that first. You should probably write it after I come up with the topics I'm going to talk about or something. And But who knows how the podcast is ever going to go. Oh, come on, Selena. Don't play with those. Uh, up on top, right? How great was that? Sammy Davis. Sammy Davis Jr., man. I'm saying Sammy Davis Jr.,
2: singing the Hawaii Five-0 theme. You can count on me! You know, I'm thinking of um, opening the
1: uh, Godfather show, singing that song. I mean, why not? You know, what do I care? I mean, I do stand up before each show. Why not just sing a song? I mean, what's the difference? I mean, um, don't you think that'd get the crowd going? Doing a little Hawaii Five-0? I mean, it's a... I didn't even know the words to that song. I'm sure you didn't either. I mean, I'm sure some of you did, but uh, I mean, you got to be a real nerd to even know that that exists. I didn't know it existed until today. I found it and I couldn't even wait to play it. I couldn't even wait to play it. Sammy Davis Jr. was the greatest. I guess the question is, if I sing it, do I sing it like Sammy Davis or do I just uh, sing it regularly? I can't decide. Let's listen to it again. Well, I guess if we don't have drums, it's not going to really be the same, is it? If you, you, get, get, in get, trouble, if you get in trouble Bring you,
2: it home to me <laughs> I am near you I'm across, across the sea, sea. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm hitting those notes, my cat's looking at me You can count on me man that is one groovy guy you know i mean this guy this cat is crazy man this is exactly the song i was thinking i was singing when
1: that um when that the one black kid in first grade called me hey cool it sammy i got some uh, friends on the phone oh i swear to god this is probably what i was thinking of i was always i loved sammy davis jr even as a kid because he was on i dream of Jeannie, where he does that unbelievable version of that old black
2: magic he does it so fast, too. He's like, That all black magic's got me in its spell. That all black magic that you weave so well. I got those icy, icy fingers up and down my spine. That same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine. You're the lover, you're the lover, you're the lover I've been waiting for. It's the same. And then he does all those things. He's like, um, See, the name I've been looking for All the Schwartz.
1: Now, you guys, you boys take the bunkers down at the back. I'll take whatever. I'll take the book board. It's amazing. uh, Why why do I not have that? Why do I not have that? I guess I wasn't thinking of Sammy today. It was just, uh, that was the song, and I'm thinking about playing it. Anyway, let's begin the show. Sammy. Hey, man. I can't stop. When I did my Willy Wonka rock opera, which was called a wonk opera, um, of course, I did Candyman as Sammy Davis, or whatever the way I do Sammy Davis is.
2: Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cover it with chocolate and collect a bowl or two. I don't think that's the words. The Candyman. Candyman makes everything he makes. I I don't
1: know where I am. I think maybe I did a portion of it like that. I can't remember. I think I have it somewhere on tape. I just found a couple of uh, cassette tapes that I recorded them all on. But sadly, there is no video. Tonight, I'm coming to you live from the Dave Dreskow compound in uh, Manhattan, New York, on the island of Manhattan. Uh, last night, I stayed up pretty much all night. Uh, they had the Comedy Cellar holiday party. Because when you work at a restaurant, even though I asked them to have the party, you know, I wanted to have a party for the people that work there on December 20th after the Christmas Carol, they could not. Because a restaurant cannot close during their busiest time of the year. So a lot of places have their holiday parties in January or even longer. I know Tommy Bahamas has theirs in May, which makes no sense because Tommy Bahamas is like a summery place. So then wouldn't technically, if you ran up Tommy Bahamas, that would be the last thing you'd want to do is have it, you know, I don't know. Not an interesting topic. So, um, so yeah, I was there until five, you know, then I had to work at 10 So I went out to get something to eat. Then I think I got home at six, slept two hours, and then went to work and said, no, I'm doing it all today. And then tonight, today, me taping this on Wednesday comes out Thursday. Taping it on Wednesday the 18th, it's David Tell's birthday. And as you know, even though this is a new tradition, I mean, I would be hanging out with the Dave anyway. But now me, Russ, and Artie always take each other out for our birthdays. The four of us celebrate all of our birthdays. And uh, tonight is a tells we could not find one Mexican place that we liked. We were looking for this old school place called Marianne's that they used to have it. And it was like, you know, it's not a high class Mexican. We're just not looking for those stupid, fancy Mexicans, a new way to make rice and beans and then charge, you know, exorbitant prices. If I use that word correctly, um, you know, Mexican and Chinese should not be high end foods, you know. So we were looking for We just couldn't find it. So we're going to the old homestead. Uh, tonight, plus it's open late. Well, he says it was. I looked online. It didn't seem like it was open that late. That's the other problem with the mech. You know, he always wants to start late. I mean, we're not meeting till 9.30, which, you know, for those guys, they don't care. But, you know, me, I mean, I'm just, you know, I was out late and, I mean, I don't mind either, but I do have to work in the morning. I'm th- I mean, thank God Dave doesn't drink anymore and Artie doesn't drink. Otherwise, it would be a shit show. But you know what? It's going to be a shit show anyway because after that because it's his birthday and you got to really do what anybody wants on their birthday. We're going to definitely have to go down to the cellar. I mean, this is a true age old tradition too. remember this is his birthday is what ruined my career, uh, in the classic story of how he said, I called the post on Dave Chappelle and then they didn't put me on the Chappelle show, which really would have helped immensely. It would have been ridiculous how it would have helped my career since the creator, uh, liked me so much. Um, but that stupid birthday. But there's no drinking anymore, so there shouldn't be any hijinks. But Attel never wants to go home. So I know it's going to be another 5 a.m. morning. I can't, the way it's going to end, we go to see him on stage. He's the last person on, the last person on. I guess him and Artie will go on together, which is always super fun. And I tell you, every time I see it, I'm like, this is why I moved to New York. But I'm tired today, so I'm having some difficulty. And then we'll just hang out outside until. 3 30 and then i mean i assume we're not getting something to eat because we'll already have had this huge meal and then we'll just hang around he doesn't want to go home but it's his birthday so i just gotta hang out and then finally he'll he'll it's like hey let's take a taxi to my house and then he drops me off halfway and then i gotta walk the rest of the way well what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to do it's the guy's birthday i know he's like uh kind of been a, a douche for a friend but you know He's, um, he's still a good friend. I can't help it. I love the guy. He's hilarious. He's David Tell. You know, sometimes you just... Um, hey, listen. If people didn't forgive me for all the shit that I do, I wouldn't have any friends. So even though this guy did like the worst shit. I don't know. There's something hilarious about uh, him just not getting it. And I know he does. And I know he feels bad. And I know how to get back at him You know when there's trouble. I can't tell you the secret. I'm still having a little coffee, you know, because it's true. I got him this great gift. I'm just getting it. I also got Artie. uh, I'm going to wrap up. I got him the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the press book for fences. Uh, That ought to provide some laughs. Uh, But I got, Dave, I got them this last year, and it didn't come in time, and I can't even believe I remembered one year ago I got him the Number 157th issue of Mad Magazine from March of 73. um, Where Alfred E. Newman is taking off his mask. And underneath it, it's uh, Cornelius from Planet of the Apes. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's an old issue and it's classic. And it's got, uh, they have the vital features. The milking of the planet that went ape. That's on page four. The lighter side of permissiveness. Uh, some really dangerous jobs for George Plimpton, <laughs> and the Funny and Glare Show, you know, which is supposed to be the Sunny and, Sar- and Cher Sunny and Share Show, <laughs> Funny and Glare Show. I tell you, I really would. Um, I hope I can become famous just so I can see what name. Just like in The Simpsons when they called Nelson Smelson. Uh, let's look at that. So, what's it called again? The. Um, sp- funny and glare show <laughs> that's like when you're just like uh we give up And remember they're making fun because in 1973 this was like a hit show here it is uh the funny and claire the funny and glare show and they're do they're singing it's sunny and chair I'm, dr- I'm trying to look at it. hi everybody welcome to our show my name is funny and this is glare and we hey my name is funny and your name is glare i beg your pardon i'm funny and you're glare you're wrong, funny is the guy. Well, oh God. Yeah, but still it's it's still really remember in the day, this stuff was hilarious. And they have really good artists. Oh, here's the mad folding too. I'm not gonna do it. I don't know. Well, I kinda wanna do it.
2: I can't.
1: no, I can't. I gotta give it to him without it folded, right? Maybe when I get there. I'll tell you what it was uh, tomorrow. Oh, you know what? The seventy three this is like right after The Godfather came out. Isn't that interesting? But they have the making of The Planet That Went Ape. First came the original of The Planet That Went Ape. And they have, they got Charles Heston, Charlton they're doing all five movies together or whatever it is at that time. I could see because they have Charlton Heston and they have James Franciscus and those uh, zombie, um, you know, the people in the beneath the Planet of the Apes. And then uh, she gets pregnant. And then they have Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> with a brilliant twist. We cleverly switch chimps so the real baby with unbelievable intelligence will survive here with me. And then I don't, I think. I guess that's all they had back then were the three sequels. Or the three. Because I think there were five. Then after that, I, know, I think the fifth one was Battle for the Planet of the Apes. So the fourth one was Conquest for the Planet of the Apes. And, uh, you know, me and tell that's how we started bonding when we were kids, when we just met. We just bond over the ridiculousness of the Planet of the Apes and how much we loved Ape Week on the 430 movie. 430 movie would always have all the ape movies together. They'd—the The first one would be two parts. Well, I don't know how you do it. How can you play all five? Because the first one was definitely two parts. Because what they do in the 430 movie, and I might have mentioned this before, is they would play an hour of the movie and then it's a half hour commercials so the next day they would pretty much play the same first 20 minutes you saw yesterday just to fill time it was a horrible show but you know it was the only thing on back in the day and then oprah came and uh, took it to town there was no more 4 30 movie it wasn't necessary anymore god i'm telling you again it was with my niece life just really sucked back then 4.30 movie They had Ape Week Then they had Monster Week You know with Godzilla And Mothra And um And then Roots They'd play Roots Over a two week period 4.30 movie What a wasted time Why you little By the way So anyway I was at the Comedy Cellar Right Last night Um Uh Breaking news I believe And it's not It's not set in stone but I think Todd Barry is going to play Carlo in The Godfather. I don't know why. I just thought he'd be funny. I saw his name. I'm like, I just, hey, when I was writing it, and Carlo's like yelling at kind of, and just Todd's, um, you know, the way he is, just, uh, hey, man, hey don't, you know, I thought it would be kind of a funny contrast where he'd be like, now clean that up, you fucking bitch. I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking a chance. I'm taking a chance. But I came up with this really funny premise yesterday. When Sonny hears, you know, his sister the the baby, you know, sister calls and she Carlo just beat her and he's going over there just before he gets shot at the causeway, there's another car that's immediately following him. They're right behind him. Well, what happens to that car? Why are they twenty minutes late after not only does Sonny get pummeled with bullets, but then they all escape. Like nobody you know, the the car never even sees the assassins. So I, I decided to make it these two guys and I'm gonna do my uh My Ed voice (laughs) would be like, well, we should have gotten here sooner. You know, whatever. And they're looking at a map and they're like, I think that sign says bridge out. Uh, Like they're bumbling button men and they get lost and that's why uh, Sonny gets killed. Um, That's the plan. It seemed funnier when I was writing, when I was laughing out loud. Uh, as I'm saying it right now, it it doesn't seem as uh, uh, hilarious. <laughs> oh God, I don't know. I'm having a lot of trouble with this one. I can't seem to get to the ending. And again, I still don't even know if Susie's doing it or not, Susie Esman. But I moved on so I can, you know. Sorry, I, I needed to move on. I'm almost at the end. He gets killed, so then I'm going to the, uh, the Godfather right there in Aires, and then. Uh, Boni then Apollonia gets blown up. I'm almost finished. I'll be finished by, um, I'll be finished by the end of this week. And then next week I'll go over it and hopefully have um, everything cast, you know? I'm going to use that girl Bethel that I used at the uh, Christmas car because she was great and everybody loves her. I think I'll just have her play all the girl parts because nobody cares about the girls. You know, we already got Susie Esmond, so we don't need anybody else. And obviously I haven't been happy with any of the girls since Bethel. I mean, they're okay, but you know, this, she's a real actress and everybody likes her and she's really pretty, so who cares? And um, I talked to Nick, griffin yesterday too i might have him open the show i don't know you know it's all coming together february 28th i'm working on it. i'm a little uptight about it because it's not finished and usually i'm finished way in advance like i haven't started the fifth one yet oh but by the way this will be fun i'm gonna leave a checklist on everybody's table uh to see which movies they want us to do next so, you know, and I, I have a checklist of some ones that I thought of. And then, of course, uh, you can leave a write-in. And then I put it at the bottom. If we use, if we use yours, you'll obviously get free tickets to that show. And a T-shirt. I'm going to get that T-shirt finally. So here's what I'm thinking. I've obviously, Godfather Part 2. Um, then I just have blanks. I don't know how I'm going to write it. I don't know whether people want to write comments or whatever. Uh, Clueless. Caddyshack. Goodfellas. I'm definitely gonna do Goodfellas. I'm definitely doing Goodfellas at some point, but it might not be next. Scarface, Devil Wears Prada, Sound of Music, because that's what no one wants me to do, so I put it in there. I don't know why. Grease. I was thinking of Grease the other day. That could be a lot of fun because we want to do a musical. I can't. What I can't.
2: I want to sing. What do you want me to say? You can count on me, man. You can count on me. Um, sixteen
1: candles. Now, I know these are comedies, but still, if you do them all in one reading, you know, it wouldn't be like The Godfather where I have him, You know, I do it like The Christmas Carol where it's all one night. Um, Octopussy. I <laughs> just thought that would be really funny. Uh, but, I, you know, it, well, it, it's got to be. Uh, see, the I guess the thing is it's got to be one you know. So I don't know if Octopussy works, but uh, Star Wars. Everybody knows that one. Um, although Family Guy kind of, I guess, already did that, so I didn't think about that when I put it out. But uh, this has got the Dave Just got spin. Meanwhile, uh, you know, it's pretty much just same Family Guy shit because I love Family Guy. Um, that's why me and that guy uh, Alex uh, were bonding so well. He he's a producer of the show when we first met because we obviously have the exact same sense of humor, and he writes for that show, which is just the best. Uh, how about this one? Fast Times at Richmond High. Of course, I'm going to want to play every character, so it's going to be difficult. I think that's a good one. That's not a bad one at all, actually. Oh, you know, I'm dying to play Damone. But I also want to play Spicoli. Uh, and I want to play Mr. Hand. But I suppose I could do all that. Uh, hey, listen. Isn't this great? Hey, Debbie, listen. that could be a fun pretty in pink then I could do spader of course uh then I wrote full metal jacket in parentheses first half only the first half basic training hi joker um the matrix (laughs) titanic forrest gump and for some reason, I put Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I just thought that would be funny. Those are the choices I came up with. I'm sure somebody will have something else that will actually sound really good. But my guess is what I'll do is do one in between like Fast Times or Caddyshack and then probably get into Goodfellas, I think. I guess we'll see. But it's something we can think about and... uh we can uh, discuss and it should be uh, very entertaining. So, oh, by the way, Friday, oh, so Friday night, right, I uh, go and I have, uh, go down to the cellar, I meet, I'm having, I had dinner with uh, Sarah Silverman and she was in town for a little bit and we met at the cellar and, and then we went out, we had dinner and then I had plans to meet Artie at the stand and then he was going to drive me back to his house and we were going to do the podcast. Me and Mario Bosco, we were going to, Get the gang back together for apparently the uh, number three rated podcast of the entire year uh, with me, Artie and Mario, which uh, for my money, uh, you know, I when I finished the podcast and I took the headphones off, I think I said, that's the, po- the best podcast I've ever heard. I knew that was funny. And, it, and it's nothing to do with me. It, I was just laughing. I was the audience member. Artie was making me laugh so hard when he wouldn't let Mario... First of all, marios he has no idea he's funny, so a guy like that's always going to be gold, you know? When he's reading those jokes off the phone, he's like, and speaking of politics, I mean, and Artie's just... <laughs> when he's either laughing or just interrupting him, uh, that was genuine love, because you heard Mario go like, why are you crying? He looked good at him, he's crying. I was crying laughing. So I... Again, I just feel like an idiot just cackling all the time, but I was truly, that podcast made me laugh like it was nobody's business. Artie was so funny. That kid Mario, it's so, he has no idea how funny he is. He's he's a good kid, you know, but it's like, it's so funny. He was like, speaking of politics. (laughs) Yeah, because I got a gherkin penis. (laughs) I'm remembering it now. Uh... So we were trying to recreate the magic, and he drove me and uh, Mario back to uh, Hoboken. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we're there. He goes, I got to pay the doorman downstairs. Uh, I didn't give him his Christmas bonus. Never saw him again. At 3 o'clock, finally, I go to Dan. I'm like, I'm going to go. I think he just he went in and took a nap and never woke up. And uh, I haven't spoken to him since. I assume he's okay. I- I'm pretty sure I'm going to see him tonight. But he hasn't been in any of the group texts or anything. I'm sure I'll see him tonight. He wouldn't blow Dave off. But I was bummed. I was like, finally, he wanted to record on a Friday night. So I'm like, even if we start at two, I'm good because I don't have to go to work or anything. I canceled Soul Cycle because I was like, I'm going to be up all night. I'm going to be up all night. That threw my weekend completely off because I got home at six and then uh, it just threw off my entire weekend and then I never left the house again. It was a mess. Uh, But we found out that the new trailer for Crashing was out, and now I'm in it a little bit more prominently. Still that same scene, but it's not just a flash. So it's very exciting. And um, today, when I looked up IMDb and I looked up Crashing, the thumbnail is my scene. So that's very, very exciting. I mean, now there's no way I don't think I can be cut out. I mean, if they have me in the... The original trailer, and they decided to use that as the thumbnail. And I, I look ridiculous, with my New Jersey Devils shirt. I don't. I, don't I, I guess I'll just tell everybody. Yeah, they made me wear that. It was weird, uh, but I really looked thin in that, which is awkward because I look so fat when I'm in that towel. Uh, and just in general, I just can't. Oh my god, I'm just. I know I'm gaining so much weight. No exercise. I made turkey chili over the weekend. You know, I try and cook on Sundays in January during the 4.30 games. Oh, that game where they moved it to 8 o'clock, that Pittsburgh game really screwed me up. I was doing so well, and that game sucked. And that last call with Kansas City when they could have tied it up, that would have been perfect. Ugh, Oh, that game really just left a, ruined my week. It was just really, I just was angry about it. But that Cowboys-Packers game, let me tell you something, tomorrow... I'm putting money on the Packers. I'm just taking that five line because I think it's going to go down. And I'm not betting against the Packers the rest of the season. There's something going on with those guys, and you got to acknowledge it. I'm serious. they got some sort of divine intervention. I don't know whether you saw the scene, but when they're playing the Cowboys and they had a bad snap, and the bad snap still went their way. Aaron Rodgers didn't know the snap was coming and yet the receiver took the ball anyway and you wouldn't have known if it wasn't in slow motion. They had a bad snap that should have been a disaster and it turned out into positive yardage. And then, of course, that final play where he's basically throwing it out of bounds and the guy catches it and then they kicked a a 51-yard field goal which most people would miss in a clutch situation. Something's going on with that team. I'm not betting against them. I think that's money in the bank. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to the Super Bowl. And after Pittsburgh can't score a touchdown, I know Kansas City has a very superb defense. But so do the Patriots. Um, I I don't see how New England doesn't go to the Super Bowl. Uh, As much as I don't want them there, I don't care. I don't want Pittsburgh there either. I'm going Packers all the way. I mean, I don't care if the Falcons win. Just somebody beat either Pittsburgh or or New England. I uh, I hate them both. And it basically all has to do with the way they've treated the Jets. I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, they lost to them in the AFC championship, and we know what the Patriots have done, so I guess it all just comes down to that, and uh, I hate them all. But uh, nobody doesn't like the Packers. I mean, you know, unless you're a Vikings fan or Bears, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that guy, I mean he's really the shit. I mean, if he wins the Super Bowl, you know, and that's the second one, and he has nothing like Tom Brady has on his side. You know, all the weapons and all that stuff. He's doing it on his own just the way Peyton Manning did when he uh, played for the Colts. Or, um, you know, he doesn't have weapons. Uh, he's doing it all on his own. He's Everybody's depleted. He doesn't give a shit. I don't, I don't know whether Tom Brady could do that. Tom Brady has a lot of weapons. And there's people like Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers just kind of put it together by themselves. Eli Manning has weapons. These are guys just putting it together all on their own, and it is fascinating. I think so. Um, so just uh, so last night, because I'll just get into this. Let me just check my battery here. So last night, when I was out uh, with my friend Steve Fabricant, who is the manager of the cellar, we went out for, um, I can't say it's dinner. It was 5 in the morning, so I guess some sort of breakfast. I knew he had eggs, so that's his lifestyle. He gets home at that time. You know, me, it was rough because I knew I had to get up really early. Um, We were talking about Arthur, you know, one of the greatest movies Ever. One of the best themes ever, uh, you know, in a comedy that sets the mood, sets the tone. It's really one of those things. It's like um, that time when that uh, when I told you that uh, Bill Persky used to write the Dick Van Dyke Show, told me, you know, that he he directed that this movie Serial with Martin Mull, and he's like, "No, nah, we had it all set up. We had this music, this opening number, which set the entire movie, and then they changed it. It's my fault. Serial tanked." Uh, But this is one of those songs that really sets the tone, kind of like a Bond theme, if it's a good Bond theme, can set the tone for the entire film. Uh, I mean, this is definitely one of those songs. It explains, uh, you know, right in the opening, it explains everything that happens, and it's it's so well written, and it's so good, and um, it's a really good song, and it holds up, you know, over the years. It's not just like a typical 80s song. But, uh, yeah, we were talking about Arthur, and we were talking about, like, I guess we were just doing lines from it because, you know, that's my favorite thing to do. Um, I just need to stop it so I can um, do some of the lines.
3: Oh, Uncle Peter and Aunt Paul. Arthur, Mm. you're looking well. Thank you.
1: And that's the thing. I can do both of these parts.
3: Uncle Peter
1: and Aunt Paul. Arthur, you're looking well. See, if I do Arthur, I'd say I'm gonna have to play all the parts, including Hobson and pretty much Liza Minnelli. Oh,
3: Aunt Bertha, i say you're looking young every day. Does Aunt Pearl look wonderful, darling? She looks great. Uh, uh, <laughs> Arthur, I don't think we've had the pleasure. Of I don't think we've had the pleasure. You introduce us. Oh, how stupid of me! Ah. Uh, Princess Gloria. May I introduce my aunt and uncle, Peter and Pearl Barth? How are you, Princess? Did you say Princess Arthur? Yes, yes. There's a very small country in the West Indies. I mean, small. (laughs) I see. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's terribly small. Tiny little country. Rhode Island could beat the crap out of it in a war. That's how small it is. small. (coughs) Very little. It's 85 cents in a cab from one end of the country to the other. I'm talking small. We understand (laughs) it's small, Arthur. They recently had the whole country carpeted. This is not a big place. We understand that it's small, Arthur. And we also understand that you are very drunk. So why don't we meet again when you're sober? Yeah, all right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't can't help it.
0: Grow up, up, uh, Arthur.
3: You'd make a fine adult. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. You haven't got 50 pairs of short pants hanging in your closet.
1: (laughs) We were doing all the lines yesterday at, at the restaurant for some reason, and then we were just like, who wrote that movie? And, um... It's, uh, it, was a, it turned out to be a very interesting question. It was this guy, Steve Gordon, and he died when he was 40. He died at 44, right after the movie came out. He died in 82. Arthur came out in 81. He wrote and directed this brilliant masterpiece of, you know, a really great, old-fashioned comedy, you know, there's no grossness and stuff. It's just really good dialogue, a really good premise, and really good performances. And this guy, Steve Gordon, he was nominated for a Best Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, and it was his di- di- directorial debut. Uh, Yeah, but he had also written... I don't know if you remember this film, The One and Only, starring Henry Winkler, which is kind of a classic, where Henry Winkler's a wrestler. I remember as a kid. And for some reason, I know Sarah Silverman and Jimmy Kimmel, when they were dating, this was their favorite film, The One and Only, for some reason. I just remember it when he was a wrestler, and um, he was like, he's a hypnotist! He's a hypnotist! Um, I remember not being able to sit through it, but that's all this guy wrote for film-wise. Uh, but then I was looking into you know, what he did, because this this is masterful writing. Um, the jokes, the dialogue, it's so good. Just even that scene, it's, like, it's 85 cents in a cab from one to This is not a big country. We understand it's small, Arthur. We also understand you're very drunk. See, I can't get enough. I love playing those things. Anyway... Apparently, this guy did a bunch of work with Carl Reiner. He started with, um, in like 74, he was like 74, 75, 76, he was doing all television. And then he crossed over in 78 to movies. And it's so funny because it must have just been like, yeah, I'm working on an original screenplay, you know, like (laughs) whatever. And people are like, yeah, right, right, right. Um, like I don't even know how he got to direct it but I guess they just gave him a chance but he was working with Bill Persky and Sam Denhoff for a long time um, they all worked on a show called Lots of Luck which I remember but I remember it not being very good with Dom DeLuise It only used
0: to cost a nickel And a bus ride only used to cost a dime Lots of Luck
4: Them days can be forgotten the world has gotten rotten, lots of luck, lots of luck, lots of luck. Every day is getting tougher, and it keeps on getting rougher. A dollar
0: isn't even worth half a buck. So in order to survive, just to keep yourself alive, what you really need today is...
4: Lots of luck. Lots of luck.
0: Lots of luck. Lots of luck. Lots of luck. Lots of luck. Ugh,
1: that looks horrible. Um, so he wrote that, and uh, this is the same guy who wrote Arthur. <laughs> it's just so funny, you know. Then he wrote for the new Dick Van Dyke show, which was just an absolutely horrible show. I remember it as a kid. You know, I worshipped Dick Van Dyke. I worshipped the Dick Van Dyke show. And then I remember when he had this show, it was just horrible. I remember it took place in Phoenix. I did some research on it today. Apparently, they actually shot it in Arizona because Dick Van Dyke didn't want to move. CBS was so desperate to have him on the network, you know, because he was coming off, you know, 10 years removed from this legendary show that they said, yeah, all right, we'll film it in Arizona. They filmed the first. He had a three-year clad contract. Like, it, it the ratings were faltering, but they had to... Like, do it. So, the first two years were in Arizona, then they finally got him to move to LA and he was miserable. The show sucked. It was just really bad. I remember just, it was like, this isn't working for me. And Hope Lang was his wife. But, you know, this guy was just, uh, you know, right working. But it's so interesting. Carl Reiner completely produced the show and created it and then got into a fight. They didn't, they were going to do a season four, but he got into a fight over apparently their daughter came in and saw them having sex and they wouldn't let them air the episode. And he was so angry because he's like, wait, wait, wait! You'll let all the family on, but you won't let us do this. You fucking two-faced assholes. That's what he was like. And then he he said, "Not only am I not working in television again, I'm not working at CBS ever again." He was like that angry. And Dick Van Dyke said, "If he's out, so am I." And so that was that. But I don't. I just I, I remember it like so good. I remember he got bitten by a snake once, and it was just it just you know not good fanny flag i remember it that's the only thing i remember her from when she was in match game i'm like i think the only thing she's ever done is the new dick van dyke show and who gives a shit i don't i i guess i remember her name fanny flag because i was thinking of flagstaff arizona i don't know why it all came back but then he did this show which i had been planning to talk about for months maybe like a year and I don't know why. It was called Paul Sand, Friends and Lovers. And I, you don't understand. Not only do I remember it as a kid, but it affected my entire life. would a gay theme like that affect my life i don't know i can't i can't tell you why but the opening credits are him he is in the orchestra in the like the new york city symphony or something and he's going around town uh let me see if i uh doesn't say uh he's going around town this is what i remember you know as a kid with his cello Going, you know, all through this thing, he's got it on the subway, it could have been a bass, I don't know. Um, which seems that seems pretty heavy, but he was going like on the bus, he couldn't get on the bus, and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then I started taking cello lessons, I started taking the cello when that show came out because this tool, for some reason, I, I don't know, I guess I was obsessed because he. He seemed uh, pretty Jewy because he had like curly hair and he was like kind of a sad sack. Like this was him on Mary Tyler Moore. The
0: morning it is over, and I would still like to go out with you, so Robert, I, I must like
4: you. All right. How about dinner tonight? Fine. Fabulous. Okay. Well, I can't because I got to work tonight. <laughs> all right. No. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to quit. That's what I'll do. I'll quit them all. You know. No, I won't. I can adjust. I'll tell you what I do. I said it before, and I'll say it again. U.S. Steel can just... Just wait. Uh, We have a date tonight, right?
1: Yes, we do. All right. I don't know, for some reason in the 70s, this guy was like a a heralded guy to get. Uh, I guess, you know, he had some interesting look about him. For some reason... I don't know. I was like, that, that's what I want to do. I want to play the cello. And then I used to have to bring that stupid cello on the bus. It, but believe me, it was not as fun as he did it in the opening scenes. But it's probably I probably took so much from that because then when I had my cooking show with Bill Persky, um, who probably uh, wrote on it too, um, I did the exact same opening, but just I did everything with a chef hat. So everywhere I was going, I had my chef hat on. You know, I'd be soft and cry. I'd be on the hood of a car like Mannix, with my chef hat and my chef, you know, my uh, cooking clothes and stuff. Uh, I I don't know why, and he's just I, I I still don't understand why he was so heralded. Now, on the Carol Burnett show, I picked up a, a thing from the TV where he does this. They give him this entire. Uh, like 10 minute piece to be like oh we got this legendary actor on or something it was so weird Um, and, and doing this thing where he's listening to this record and it's it's like a really like just a, a piece that's not that they wouldn't do with anyone else. It was very odd.
0: young man who played the fire victim in our last sketch happens to be a fine young actor named Paul Sand. Uh, I first saw him on the Mary Tyler Moore show where he played a tax investigator who fell in love with Mary, and I fell in love with him. Isn't that weird?
1: That's where I saw him. What was it about that episode that was so great that it seemed to speak to everybody? That's what I can't figure out.
0: Uh, he recently won a Tony Award for his role in the Broadway production of Story Theater.
1: So- oh, and well, let me tell you something. I won an award for being in Story Theater, too. I mean, but I didn't even know he was in Story Theater, but I was in Story Theater in high school, and then we took it to the college, and I was I was unbelievable in that show. I um, That's not the one where I won my Avi Award, I'm just saying. But it's so weird the connection with this douchebag Uh, it's very strange
0: we're very delighted tonight to present Paul Sand in a scene called How to Win a Friend
1: talking about just not being funny he's just sitting on a bed and he puts this album on that's gonna uh, it's so weird it really gave chances back then (laughs) this could never happen today
4: Hi. So you want to win a friend? Yes. Well, what seems to be the trouble? I don't well, know. we can take care of that. What do you think? Can we or can't we, huh? You, you. you bet we can. Okay. Now, the first thing you have to remember is to show an interest in the other person. Yes, well, I, I do that now. what's I, your name? Uh <clears throat> that's a fine name. Oh, uh, what's your Frank Watkins? How now do you, you do it? Call this? me Frank right now where do you work uh well i work downtown in an office but it isn't really what i that's want. a fine job <laughs> oh, no, it's not, I mean. do you have a girl yes you do no i don't no. yes you do <laughs> no i don't know yes gonna... you do look come on i don't know what's, what's her name <laughs> well i don't even know if she likes me really that's a nice name <laughs> you know what? a sense of humor is very important Right. Do you know any jokes? No, see that's what I sure can... you do. No, I don't remember. Come on, let's hear one. I can never. Oh, no, I don't think I ever heard that one. Go ahead. Uh huh. Uh uh-huh. huh. Okay, oh, no right, wait, I do know one. Yeah, go ahead. There's this uh, uh-huh. there's this old lady, see, uh-huh. and she's got this parrot, yeah, see? yeah. and uh, uh-huh. all the parrot can say. Uh-huh. No wait, no wait. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's a parrot, and uh-huh. all the parrot can say.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I I I don't know what the deal is, but this guy I mean look uh, Carol Burnett saw him on the Mary Tyler Moore show where he played this guy and like I said, you know, he was like a frumpy Jewish looking guy. I'm like, uh this guy reminds me of me, you know, whatever. (laughs) He's shy. And then he's carrying the cello, you know, then and then and then he gets he's like, Yeah, I just I had to have him on the show and he's just coming off I mean this never happens to actors like there's like, Yeah, I saw him on Broadway in story theater. Let me tell you, story theater sucks. So, that's that, again, that play can only come out in the 70s. But look who was in it in the open. Um, Valerie Harper, Peter Bonares, You might know that. Valerie Harper wrote it, right? Richard Shaw, that's Valerie Harper, ended up marrying him, and he's on Mary Tyler Moore all the time in a bunch of rotas. He sucks. Peter Bonares, who I believe is uh, Jerry... No, not Jerry's the dentist. Uh, the, the, who, the, from the Bob Newhart Show. Uh, is, is it... Are they both... I think his name is Jerry and he's a dentist just like Jerry is a dentist on the Dick Van Dyke show. Is that right? Do I have that wrong? Melinda Dillon who I isn't she in Close Encounters? And Linda Lavin from so like all of your 70s TV. What what is it so great about this stupid story theater? I remember it's a it's a, it's a collection of fairy tales collected by the Brothers Grimm. I remember it not being fun. And we did it for kids when i was in high school you know we took it around story the story theater on board was composed of eight acts with a with a rock folk band i guess uh, the stories yeah i remember all this it was the golden goose henny penny i remember it was absolutely horrible i i, I don't understand how it gave birth to all these people you know especially this guy and Carol Burnett's all over his shit. And then he gets his own series. The series lasts like two seconds. And then, he, and then he was done. And then he was done. Like, oh, maybe he ain't that great an actor as uh, we thought. I don't know. You know, it's weird. I just totally remember that. But he did like a lot of stuff. Um, he was on all these shows. You know, he's on Mary Tyler Moore. Carol Burnett, he was on every year. He was on every year Carol Burnett. She loved him. He was on Wonder Woman, Fantasy Island. He did all the guest spots that everybody did back then. Fantasy Island, uh, Super Train, Taxi, Laverne and Shirley, Alice, The Love Boat. Then even going to the 80s, St. Elsewhere, Cagney and Lacey, Murder, She Wrote, Trapper John, Who's the Boss, It's a Living, Magnum P.I., Give Me a Break, 30-something, Empty Nest. I mean, it's an unbelievable career of guest spots. And I guess you can make a career if you do enough. Quantum Leap, um, Night Court, L.A. Law, The X-Files, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I remember him. That's right. I thought I couldn't. I was like, the guy looks familiar. He's so much older now. Dharma and Greg. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He played, if you remember this, um, I think he played the restaurant guy with Tourette's. Remember when he starts cursing? And he has the numbers, the lottery numbers on his arm, and they thought he was a surprise. Isn't that the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Paul Sand. So he's, like, still around, but he had his own show, and this Paul Sand friends and lovers. And it was on that Saturday night lineup with, you know, Mary Tyler. All these girls took him under his wing. I think it was an MTM production, like a Mary Tyler Moore set. We got to give this guy his own show. He's amazing. Carol Burnett's like, yeah, we got to give this guy his own show. But it turns out he wasn't that amazing otherwise the show would have been more popular and uh, we would have heard of him again. I mean, he's in all of these shows and I guarantee nobody knows who he is. You see him and you're like, oh, he looks familiar, but uh, I have no idea who that is. But me, I remember all those Saturday night lineups on Channel 2, you know, with Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, all that kind of stuff. Speaking of which, then we go back to Steve Gordon, who the new Dick Van Dyke show was on on the Saturdays that started there. Then they moved it to Monday he also did Chico and the Man, uh, Barney Miller. This is Steve Gordon. Now we're talking about the guy who wrote and directed Arthur, and then he did The Practice, which was Danny Thomas's big heralded comeback. This is supposed to be the greatest sitcom ever, and it was so bad that, like, not bad, but it's like it just didn't work. That Marlo Thomas had to. Come in and and single handedly save the show for sweep weeks. You know his daughter had to come in and well Marlo Thomas is on tonight. And uh, and and then he wrote the one and only and and then Arthur. I mean how about this guy? He wrote Arthur. And and not only did he write it, but it it people know how good it is that when they made the remake with Russell Brand and Helen Mirren. I think they were afraid to stray from the writing of the first one because when you see that one it's not very good but it's not unwatchable except for Greta Gerwig who's just absolutely boring um, much cuter than Liza Minnelli but uh, it again they just can't seem to find a woman in these classic comedies that does it right like the goodbye girl like Marsha Mason sucks like I I don't know, you know, I I hope that's, uh, maybe it's sexist, but those women don't work for me. I don't buy it, but I like, but the the movie's that good that I let it go. I'm not buying, Liza Minnelli was very good in Arthur and they had a chemistry, but I'm not buying that he gives up a billion dollars to spend his life with Liza Minnelli. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, that is a sexist statement because I'm sorry. (laughs) She's just, not attractive enough to give up a billion, a billion dollars, 750 million. Okay. That's all I'm saying for, for that. It's, it's gotta be, a, it's, I, I gotta have a little bit more. Yes. The personality is great, but I, I just need a, a, a little bit more. <laughs> Somebody with that. a little bit longer hair, maybe even Marsha Mason, <laughs> but with longer hair, but, um, you know, I could, uh, you know, Uh, No, I don't remember where I was, but, um, oh, this guy, so, yeah, so the remake, they were so nervous about messing with his brilliant lines, they had to put a lot of the lines from the first one in the second one, and I don't think that's necessary. Anybody that's going to see that second one, besides myself and, you know, you guys, you know, you and us, me and you, um, you know, it's made for kids that have never seen the original Arthur, so what do they care, but that's how... That's how nervous they were to mess with it. And obviously he had nothing to do with it or Arthur too, because he died.
3: Gloria, I would like you to meet Hobson, my best friend in the world. I relish the compliment. It's thrilling to meet you, Gloria. Hi. Yes. Yes. You obviously have a wonderful economy with words, Gloria. I look forward to your next syllable with great eagerness. You want to run my bath for me?
0: It's what I live for.
3: Perhaps you'd like me to come in there and
0: wash your dick for you, you little shit.
1: That's a classic line.
0: He gets all that money.
1: Oh, Paul Gleason
0: pays his family back be, by
1: by being sick and drunk. drunk. I wouldn't know. to make you sick. I'm just a humble servant.
3: I really wouldn't know, sir. I'm just a servant. Yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, go screw yourself, Paul Gleason. I just told Linda I was getting engaged. So I, don't know I Why? Don't know why? A little
0: tart like that. Could tart save like you a like fortune. That could save you a fortune in prostitutes.
3: Would you remove your helmet, please? Why?
0: Let's move it, please. Let's see.
3: But that's not enough. I could enter this dwelling. Oh. May I come in? If you and your undershirt would walk two paces backwards, I could enter this dwelling.
4: Uh,
1: All those lines, and that's just Sir John Gilgood, he's delivering it the correct way. We know all of Arthur's lines are amazing. Even Liza Minnelli's lines are pretty good. I mean, even so much as when he comes to the diner, and says, like, could you take the next 20 years of your life off? And she's like, I'll have to ask. I mean, even those small throwaway lines, it really is a perfect movie. It's got action, you know, in a way. It, it's got, you know, uh, I mean, you obviously care for the character, but then it's got, the, the, you know, the, the, the nerve-wracking scene where he's got to go to the, I mean, it's a, it's a very well-crafted, well-scripted, great New York movie. That this guy who just wrote a couple of TV shows, you know, hit it out of the ballpark on his first movie. And, and then he died. I mean, that just sucks. And we didn't get to see anything else from this this guy. I mean, listen, maybe he'd be a one-hit wonder. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's more like, maybe he was more like a, maybe like a James L. Brooks or something. Uh, you know, who was a, also a TV guy who really worked it out and made unbelievable Academy Award-winning movies. I bet you this guy would have done the same thing. Uh, during that time, also, there was a guy who died this week, uh, Dick Gordier, and uh, he was also in a, my one of my... Again, not my favorite show. I remember it wasn't as funny as The Plan, uh, but this was a Mel Brooks show. Um... Called when things were rotten, and it was uh, it was basically Men in Tights. He made Men in Tights was when things were rotten, but he made the movie. It was Robin Hood Men in Tights, but it was a television show. And it was called When Things Were Rotten, and I remember as a kid, I'm like, this is the funniest thing ever. The concept, but I remember the sitcom not being as funny as I wanted it to be. But I also remember that everybody was old who's in it. Like I mean, they were like my age now. And I remember always thinking, like, that's why when I went to FX or Comedy Central and I said, I want to do, you know, my John Adams project, they're like, well, couldn't we make these guys in their 20s? And I'm like, no, no. First of all, they're in their 40s or 50s when they're doing this. That's the fact. And, and, you know, I, I remember as a kid, the odd couple... And and this when things were rotten and and get smart they they were all older people. What's wrong with I I grew up on older folk people in their forties and stuff being on and they were just as funny. When I was a kid, I still thought they were just as funny as you know the Partridge Family, which was or the Brady Bunch, which was young and that wasn't even funny. I mean these guys were really funny. The older folks did made really good comedy, whereas the younger folks made enjoyable television, but they didn't make I know they weren't writing it, but I'm just saying the stuff with older folks was 10 times funnier than any of the stuff that was on with everybody who was younger. And when things were rotten, the opening theme song was one of my favorites and it's something I remembered in my head until YouTube came out without even having to go to
0: YouTube. Once upon a time when things were rotten, not just food, but also kings were rotten. Everybody take the peasant.
4: Bad and that it good. Then came Robin Hood. Oh, Soon a band of merry men. He cotton. They wore outfits made of plain green cotton. Helping victims, was their business. Boy, oh boy!
0: Get to the poor excess, but the get for expenses. So when other legends are forgotten, we'll remember back when things were gotten. Yay, for Robin's Lord. They left, they loved, I like that it continues. They bought, they
1: drank, <laughs> lot back then it was hilarious. They robbed
0: the rich get the poor. Their are forgotten. will remember back were Game for fun
1: and fun. Right, Let me tell you something. Um, that that song, I think I used to play that in my tape recorder while I was on my bike delivering newspapers. You know, we didn't have Walkmans or anything. So I'd play that while I go deliver it. I'd play that one and the Rockford Files and pretend like I was, you know, in the show. And first of all, that when things were Rotten Song, that's a great song. And I'm pretty sure Mel Brooks wrote it. And Mel Brooks is actually a brilliant songwriter. We already know Springtime for Hitler and a bunch of the other stuff and High Anxiety. I mean, these are really good melodies and and catchy tunes, and this one, with the way it is with the harpsichord and everything, it's so good, and it builds to a point, and it sounds so regal and awesome, and it's just perfect. And Dick Gaudier played Robin Hood, and Dick Van Patten, all his regulars, uh, was Friar Tuck, and Bernie Coppell was uh, such and such, whatever, and that Misty Rowe, the girl from Hee Haw, was beautiful, made Marion, and I just, I remember it, again, I remember it not being that, The show not being as funny as I wanted it to be, but it was all that history of the world part one gags or airplane gags, you know, before anybody was doing that stuff. And uh, but that opening song used to kill me. I just used to picture that's, you know, that's what I want to do with my life. When things were rotten, it's just the funniest thing. When things were rotten, the name of the show is so funny. You could just call it Robin Hood, but it's called When Things Were Rotten. That's so funny. Or I thought so. And he died, Dick Gaudier died, and this is what he was uh, actually known for that and this. Speak
0: to us, oh
4: beautiful one. Tell us how you make that glorious sound that, even now, in anticipation of it, has reduced me to a snarling, raging, panting jungle beast.
0: You gotta be sincere. You gotta be sincere. You gotta feel it here Cause if you feel it here Well, then you're gonna be Honestly Sincere If what you feel is true Really feel it you Make them feel it too Write the stand now you Gotta be sincere Honestly sincere Man you gotta be Sincere Sincere. If you really
1: sincere. this is uh from the broadway show uh, bye bye birdie from the original uh recording now they're, nbc is doing bye bye birdie you know this this fall uh or around christmas whatever again with jennifer lopez i mean this guy created the role that they're going to be doing this year with this song and you know it's uh, and then it, but he he created the the, they didn't put him in the movie though I don't know why. He and apparently he was a comedian. He was a stand-up comedian. Somebody saw him in the club and said, You auditioned for this. He's obviously a very good looking guy. And in Bye Bye Birdie plays um, you know, Elvis. I also heard for the movie they offered Elvis the role. And uh what's that guy's name? Colonel Tom Parker, <laughs> his manager. I'm gonna also um I'm gonna tell my manager to take that name, you know. Uh Lieutenant Vanessa uh wouldn't let him do it because he didn't want to make fun of the brand. Probably smart. Uh, but it was weird because Ann-Margaret was in it, and they I think they had already worked together. Maybe not, but um, I think it still could have worked, but I understand if you didn't want to mess up the brand. That's actually not so horrible, but then it also could have been brilliant of Elvis to make fun of himself, so I don't know. It's one of those things where it could have been really... I mean, that movie made money anyway, even though its it's a bag of crap. It's a horrible musical movie. It doesn't work at all, even though those songs are so good and the show is good, even though now it's just overplayed and I never want to see it again, even though I know my nephew's in it and I got to go see it in April and then it's going to be on TV. So I can't get rid of it and it won't go away. But at least, you know, the songs are pretty enjoyable if you have good people working on it. Um, and Dick Van Dyke obviously is a just a, a master. But this guy, Dick Gordier, he uh, he really do that. You know, he did Jaime and, and Get Smart and, you know, I don't. He didn't you know for a good-looking funny guy he didn't do as much as you think he would have but he was in that when things were rotten which was just you know just that theme song I like I said I just remembered it and remembered it through with YouTube and everything and I just I loved it it's just such a good song I love that harpsichord and everything the
0: time when things were rotten
4: not just, food, but also Everybody
1: And what they're doing they have the opening credits are like the people that are in the show. they come out of a book and turn around and smile. You know, it's so long and tedious, but i I could watch it a hundred times for some reason. I don't know So of course, I'd picture myself in the opening, you know. Being like, you know, and Dave Juskow is, uh, you know, little Friar Tuck or whatever. You know, hey, everybody, how you doing? Uh. They laughed, they loved, they bought they drank. They
0: jumped a lot of fences. They robbed the rich, gave to the poor, except what they kept.
1: Other legends are forgotten. It
0: sounds so good. It picks up. <laughs> I
1: feel like... Did you ever see that movie, Blast from the Past, with Brandon Fraser and Alicia Silverstone? I've seen it like a hundred times. And, you know, he's stuck in a bunker since 1963. He's 35 years old, and he goes out, and his dad, Christopher Walken, uh, built a bunk shelter because they thought somebody... Uh, Drop the bomb, but it turned out just to be a plane, and they were down in that bunker for thirty-five years. He goes out to get supplies and food, and meets Alicia Silverstone, but he doesn't know any. All he knows is from stuff from nineteen sixty-three and before. So he loves Perry Como, and he's and Alicia Silverstone. It's on the radio, and he goes, "Wait, go back, go back." There it is, and he's playing Como, and he goes, "Oh my god, I love this song!" You know, and it's kind of funny. He's snapping his fingers, and he's like, "Now this is where it really picks up." And they just have a key change, and it's clearly it just doesn't pick up at all because Perry Como was like the most boring guy in the history of song. When SCTV even made fun, uh, Perry Como, still alive. And, um, it, you know, it's funny, but that's what I feel like uh, that I was just doing. But now it really picks up here. <laughs> laughed, I still can't believe they it loved, continues.
0: They, bought, they, they, a lot of
4: they robbed the rich. The Except what the they day. get for expenses. So, where we to pick it up?
1: We'll back for for oh, but it's not over. Oh, it is. That's oh, so awesome. I love that song. Um, God. I don't know why things that could have been. I just uh, picture myself on that show. I just wanted to be. Uh, I didn't want to be the star. I just wanted to be uh, a funny guy on the show. You know, just have a couple of lines and be in the opening credits. Maybe that'll work out. Maybe this crashing will work itself out somehow. I know I don't have. A, you know I don't have a huge part, but it's big enough that I'm in the uh, the the, th- the thumbnail of the trailer. That's something, which, you know, I guess we'll see. Anyway, uh, I guess I got to be off. I guess uh, I don't think there was anything else I really needed to discuss. I had a couple of other notes, but they're not really interesting today. and They're not necessary. Um, let's see. This weekend, this weekend, I am going to see the smithereens, uh, I think I talk, I'll talk. i talk about that next week. We'll play some of their music if you, uh, I don't know if you remember them at all. They uh, do. Um, and it's only a memory, broken bits of you and me. A uh, couple of Jersey boys. Going to see them with my friend Vera, and she hooked us up because she slept with the uh, lead singer. And... Uh, you know, uh, so we don't have, she's like, yeah, I set it all up. He served, he saved us a table. We don't even have to get there early. I'm like, yeah, now that's the way I like to be treated. That's the way Dave of likes to be treated. And when I go there, I'm going to say, hey, Vera, isn't this great? Hey, you know, because where I am is the place to be. Uh, yeah, the lady will have uh, the linguine with clam sauce and a Coke with no ice. I will have the same. I don't think that's what he says, but I'm doing that anyway. Um, Listen, Vera, isn't this great? And I'm going to say to her, kiss me. You won't regret it. Well, we used to go out, but now we can't because she's just got pregnant with her second kid. I mean, now she had the kid already, so now we can be friends again. We started becoming friends again because I don't like her husband. He's kind of a douche. But I don't hate him, but I don't really care for him. But um, So she had a kid with him. And then, uh, so then we started hanging out again after the kid was like five because I was like jealous that, you know, she got married and had a kid. And then we started hanging out and then she got pregnant again so I wouldn't talk to her. In fact, she told my friends, like my friends Alan and Lee, they were like, is it true that you won't talk to Vera because she got pregnant? And I'm like, yeah, that's right because we were having a good time again. In fact, she said, she's like, yeah, my um, husband knocked me up again once he found out we were hanging out again. (laughs) Looks looks like he doesn't really care for you either. Um, But... Anyway, she's awesome, and I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, you know, I mean, Sunday. I mean, are you kidding? Come on. It's the the championships game. It's AFC, NFC championships. It's going to be unbelievable. I tell you, I can't decide. I don't know whether I have people over do some cooking and make that the Super Bowl because if I can be honest with you, I think I'd prefer to just watch the Super Bowl at my house alone I don't think I've ever sat and watched the Super Bowl. You know, I don't think anybody has. There's always commotion and talking and people aren't paying attention. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it'll be okay to do that, but I can't decide. Um, but we all know the championships are the best. And then you get two games for the price of one. That's when I usually make a lasagna. But I already made one. And I got to, like, not make heavy foods anymore. I was thinking about going on NutriSystem. Maybe. I'm just eating too much and it really needs to stop. I mean it just does, okay? It just does. So but I'm going Packers all the way. I think I'm going Packers Patriots. You know I don't care for the Patriots, but I'm not betting against the Patriots at home. I'm just not. And uh so I'm going Packers Patriots and I guess we'll see what happens, right? Uh can't decide what to play. I was thinking I really like this song. I don't know why. Squeeze, you know, has been playing uh, Annie Get Your Gun as we were left
2: over
1: Going all the way back to 1982, here's Squeeze and another Nail from My Heart. Oh, I'll tell you, um, just Before we leave, uh, when I was with Sarah at the uh, uh the comedy seller, she was telling Noam, the owner, of how when we were there together in 1990 or whatever it was, God, I'd forgotten that's the night we took acid, it's even in her book, and uh, we were so retarded, she's just like, Hey, look what I got. We were just explaining how stupid it was. Some homeless guy gave her some, you know, like a the, the, the piece of paper. And I'm like, yeah. And I was already drunk and tequila'd up. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I just put it in my, little did I know, 13 hours later in a nightmarish experience that was going to happen. And we were just talking about that. We're like, we were so stupid. We just, remember, we just took it. And we were just, remember, and we, I forgot. It took place at the Comedy Cellar. Been going there for such a long time. I completely forgot. I've been going there lit for years, and that's why I had to stop and just uh, relax. I was able to get drunk last night because, you know, it was the holiday party, and SD wasn't there, but I don't think anybody cares anymore, but oh, my God, we totally, like, uh, remembered that. Uh, Should I um, end with
2: this one instead? You can count on me
0: If you get in trouble Yeah! Bring it home to me Yeah!
2: You are by oh, yeah. Every time we do that, my cat is just
1: staring at me. I must hit a high-pitched cat doggy chord
0: You can count on me. And don't you let him get
1: you? Yeah. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Dave Juscow program. Hope you enjoyed today. I guess uh, we'll see you next week. Don't know what to prepare. Don't know what to expect, but it will be after. We will know our Super Bowl contenders. We will know more about the Godfather. We will know more. We will uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, have guests or whatever. What I do know is we will have lots of fun all coming up next week on the podcast because every podcast is a good time. Hey, everybody. Have a great week and enjoy the weekend and I'll see you next time on the Dave Juskow Podcast. We're going to leave you with a little
0: Sammy Davis Jr.
1: Hawaii Five-O. You can count on me. Who knew there were lyrics? Hey, we'll see you next time.
0: And if they all desert you And you start to bend You know I won't let them hurt you And I don't bring